In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting in Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. Hi everyone, it's February 24th, 2014, and you're listening to episode 87 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. I'm Maggie. And we're coming to you from the post-Olympic hangover. Oi, 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 aspirin, aspirin, aspirin. Oh my god, who thought it was a good idea to start drinking at 7am again? Uh, Toronto's? Oh, yeah, apparently. Oh, yeah, 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 I keep seeing all these spots. Yeah, I got them too. They're sort of those floaty spots, like when you look at something really bright. I think they're from the reflections of all the gold medals. I think so too. That we won. Oh, ow, 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 Okay. Ow. Okay, that's enough. Wow. Hi, guys. Hi. We're Canada, and we still love you. <laughs> Sorry about winning all those gold medals. It's just that we are kind of sort of possessive about hockey and curling. <laughs> yeah. And, well, that's what we care about. I mean, seriously, okay, guys, seriously, like, not kidding. The amount of affection this country has for hockey like everything, everyone pretty much stopped working Friday afternoon when it was the, or no, everyone pretty much stopped working Thursday afternoon when it was the women's gold medal hockey game between Canada and the U.S. Yep. <laughs> like everybody stopped. There were lots of people. There were people who were tweeting pictures of like watching it in their boardrooms or whatever. Yep. Yep. They I, actually they had it on the smart screen at the uh, at my office. Yep. I. And my coworker might have been watching on the, the cert computer at the front desk. There was nobody there. Come on. Well, there was a couple people in the library, but nobody were out. We actually had to help. Because everybody was watching the game. Yeah, everybody was watching the game. <laughs> and as has been sent around on the internet, this is the country that will change liquor laws. Yeah. Temporarily. Like, seriously, they they a few days ago, the Toronto City Council approved a move to allow bars to open and serve alcohol. At seven in the morning. Which meant that people were showing up in their PJs. Yeah. And drinking beer. Especially for the men's gold medal hockey game. <laughs> yes. I was actually Skyping with my family while watching the game. Mm-hmm. And my dad in the Bahamas was wearing his Canadian jersey and eating his pancakes with maple syrup watching the game. Like, my my mom said he was up before six. Mm-hmm. Like, there you go. That's dedication. Yeah. As another sign of how dedicated this country is to hockey, churches were showing the game. Like, my mom volunteers at the church she goes to, and they sent an email the night before telling people, by the way, we will have the game on. (laughs) So don't worry about having to come early if the game is still going. And mom said pretty much everybody on the way there... She said that there, it was pretty quiet on the streets driving there. She thought everyone was pretty much doing the same thing she was, which was like, quick, it's in between periods. we got 15 minutes. Let's go. And they said they would delay the service if the game went into overtime. This is how much this country cares, cares about hockey. I'm sure that was a joyous service afterwards. Oh, yeah. It was glorious. <laughs> Lots of celebration. Yes. As you can probably hear, I'm still a little stuffed up. I have been sick the last week. That's why we haven't recorded um, in a little while. Yeah, busy and sick. But since we're talking Olympics, why don't we talk about... Knitting Olympics? Revelinic projects. So, would you like to go first? All right, I'll go first. Here we go. She's done. Yay! Kinsa, Madame Phelps. Shawl done in Nitpicks palette. Ooh. And I did learn things. That is very pretty. It is not blocked, but, you know, 
deal. I did learn things as I went. I did learn that, oh my god, I picked a pattern where you had to cast on 274 stitches. Yeah. And I did learn halfway through this whole... Didn't think that one through, did no, you? No, didn't think that one through. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I did learn that halfway through this whole lace border that was going on, it would go a lot faster and easier with the with the stitch markers to separate out the repeats. Yeah, it would. There is uh, a couple of places where you can minorly see where they just barely don't line up by a stitch. Yeah. But... Oh, well. Yeah, I'm like, oh, well. Whatevs. Fudge it. F- whatevs. Keep going. <clears throat> Back of a galloping horse. You bobbled the landing of that triple axle and you kept going. That's yeah. the important thing. <laughs> you didn't let it throw you off. Nope. So, kept going. You know that whole bit about how it's supposed to go faster? Yeah. When was that supposed to happen? Because <laughs> these short rows yeah, getting well, bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay, does it start from the bottom or start from the top? All right, it started here. That's the other thing that I learned is I missed a very important word. Okay. Provisional. Ah. Uh, because I just did a normal cast on, so I had to go in and scoop out stitches okay, yeah. for the frill at the bottom. Yeah. Oh my god, I had so many wobbles and stumbles, and I just <laughs> keep going, just keep moving forward. So it starts here. Okay, so it starts, basically, there's the, at the top of the shawl, it's basically crescent shape. Yeah. It starts at the, t- at the top, there's a stockinette yes, panel. Yes, crescent. There is a lace panel, one lace panel, a wide sort of lace panel, and then there's a very narrow lace border at the bottom, or lace yep. edging at the bottom. Yeah. So it starts at the bottom of the lace panel, the Correct. wide lace panel. And you knit the lace panel up, and it's pretty much even. There's no okay. reduction or increasing yeah. in size. Up it's, into the stockinette. It's only after you finish the lace panel that you knit halfway to the, you knit to the middle, and then you start doing short, short rows. rows. Okay, yeah, but you start with the short, short rows, yes. and they get bigger. Yes. Yeah, that would be... A problem. I'm, I'm knitting and going, Karen said this would go faster. When the heck? Well, because you well, because the way you said that it happened is you knit it the other way. Oh. And you didn't mention that, like, you didn't mention that there were short rows in this thing and that which way it was going. So I thought that meant that, you know, you'd get to the shorter mm. bit, shorter rows later on now, and it would fly. The other thing that happened. Yes. <laughs> I ran out of yarn. Where is it? Oh, God. There. <laughs> right there. <laughs> on bind off. <clears throat> so what did yeah. I do? So, like, we'll say maybe a foot and a half before the end of the row. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Binding off that way? Oh, okay. I bound up, I bound, <clears throat> had to bind off that far in to the, into the row. So mm-hmm. a foot into the row. And the rest of it, I had to do crochet hook style, hooking onto the next stitch, hook onto the next stitch, oh, hook dear. onto the next stitch. Yeah. Onto the, and I just had took some spare, like, I cut something off of here. Yeah. And tied it so that it would stay. But we had to get <laughs> improvisational towards the end. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, you just threw in another jump <laughs> to wow the judges. You knew you'd made some mistakes in your program, so you just threw in a jump to, to fix it and make it look like you totally intended to do that. Just to shock and awe everybody. Yep, there you go. Yep, so it just needs a uh, blocking and weaving in of the ends afterwards. Woo! Yay! And she's done. Oh. It does look nice and warm and cozy. Which is what we need, because winter ain't done with us yet. Oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah. Aww. I should mention, the last few days, 
It's the only time in like a month, two months, that it has gone warmer than maybe like 15 degrees with a wind chill. Like 15, 15, wind chill of 15 degrees Celsius. Yep. Minus 15 degrees Celsius, I should say. Sorry. I just forget the minus because it's just a given nowadays. We <clears throat> actually could see grass. Yeah. It actually, the, the base temperature actually got over zero. And of course, it was all the days I was sick and I didn't leave the house. Yep. And now it's cold again. Yep. Today was the first day I could actually really leave the house. And it was cold as balls. Yep. So, while I was stuck inside on the couch... You made progress. ...watching Olympics. Yeah. I finished... Ta-da! My... The wallpaper had it coming again. Mittens. Look at that. And putting them on. They're done in Malabrigo Arroyo, which is a sport weight yarn. It's a light sport weight. Like, I think all of Malabrigo's yarns tend to be a slightly lighter... Than what they say it is, because their sock weight is a very light figuring weight. And I did them in the Jupiter colorway, which is sort of medium pink, medium to edging closer to darker pink, kettle dyed, and black. And how do you like them now that they're done? I really like them. Now, you will notice this is the first mitten. I'm pointing at the left-hand mitten. Okay. You may notice that, because there are certain parts of the left-hand mitten which do not stand out. Right in there. Okay. Mainly because... Common wisdom when you're doing color work, stranded color work, says that you hold the background color in your dominant hand and the foreground color in your non-dominant hand. So for me, that means background color on my right hand, foreground color in my left hand. In this case, the pink was the background color, the black was the foreground color. So I'm doing that, and when I get to the motif at the top, the little there are little single pink stitches in there, as you can see right here. I'm showing the the right hand mitten that just sort of disappear under the black and the black is puffing up partly because of tension so i'm like this is annoying i'm gonna have to duplicate stitch these later so i can actually see them and when i get up to the you can tell exactly where i decided to try well what if what would happen if i just changed hands i change hands for the top of the left hand mitten and i do it for the right hand mitten and look how much the right hand mitten the pink stitches stand out everything is magic yep the tension is so much better. So this goes to show you that conventional wisdom is sometimes bullshit, <laughs> depending on how you knit. I think that uh, that should be like a Tony Stark t-shirt. Conventional wisdom is sometimes bullshit. Yes. There's a couple other little things in here where I was like, I don't care anymore. Like when I was, I sort of screwed up with the decreases at the top here because I'm like, I really should have made the decreases next to the, the sort of side stitches and like I did there. But at that point, I'm like, I don't care anymore. Yep. Make- and in this one, like the, the thumbs, I just sort of fudged a bit. <laughs> This thumb is, like, if you if I take these off and put them down, the thumb on the right-hand mitten is remarkably smaller than the one on the left-hand mitten. I have to sort of nudge my thumb into it. But I don't care. They're warm, and you're finished. Yeah, they're warm, and they're pretty, and I've worn them the last couple days, because I actually went to work yesterday. And I love them. Good. And they do need blocking, but I did get the cuff sewn in. And all the stitches, all the ends woven in and snipped oh, off. Oh, look at Which you is go. more than I can say for my swirly mittens, which still have all the ends inside, <laughs> some of which are not sewn in. Uh, which nope. I really need to do. Nobody sees them. <clears throat> yeah, well, except for the ones on the ends, which kind of stick out yeah, occasionally well, anyway. when I pull them off. But yeah, I was actually, uh, actually not sure I was going to get these done in time. Because for some reason this year, I just wasn't really kind of feeling it. So... I went to Toronto last weekend, last, last weekend, considering it's Monday and the weekend has now just passed, to go to a, a concert. And so I was like, okay, I still have a fair bit done to get done on the first mitten. But I was like, well, I've got the hour and a half drive into Toronto on the bus. I've got in the hotel room the night after the concert. 
I'm probably going to go to the Purple Pearl on the Sunday and sit there for a few hours and just work on these. And then I have the hour and a half bus ride home. <laughs> Maybe I can, hopefully I can get some done. And yeah, I got quite a bit done. But I think what really sealed it was being sick. <laughs> so that Wednesday, I was just home on the couch knitting. And Thursday, I was at work. But Thursday evening, I was at home. <laughs> and Friday, at home. So I actually finished these on Saturday. Saturday afternoon. Which, I guess, after... Because I, you know, watched the men's hockey game. Goal, the men's U.S.-Canada hockey game. Which I think in some ways was kind of more important than the gold medal game in some ways. And we love you, America. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of nice when we meet you in sports. <laughs> I'm going to go hide over here. For reasons. And then the curling, which we love you, Britain. But it's kind of nice when we meet you at curling. <laughs> Sorry, Louise from Caithless Craft Collective. You were kind of sad on Twitter. I managed not to rub it in there. So you're doing it now? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we love you. We know, and we, hey, we know that the Scots invented the game, so hey, we owe you that. We just, you know, perfected it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I need to I be careful. I'm so kidding. I need to be careful about drinking tea this episode. I am so kidding right now. Don't send me hate mail. Don't send me hate mail. No, no hate mail. We, everybody did good in the Olympics, obviously, yeah. or you wouldn't have gotten to the Olympics in the first place. Yeah. There's a reason you were there. It's because you're awesome. Yes. But yeah, so that gave me a lot of time to work in mittens. <laughs> Though, you know, it didn't give me all of that time to work in the mittens because unfortunately when I get a cold I get to the point where it's like I can sit up for a certain amount of time and then I need to lie down <laughs> so I'd be able to work on them for 45 minutes and then bam right on my back because <laughs> my hands would literally start shaking Ooh, <laughs> it's like batteries out I need to re recharge and your recharge only lasts for so long yeah pretty much but yeah so I got them all nicely seamed up and got them submitted to the finish line on the Ramalik Games now I'm just waiting for the call to the podium to receive my gold medal. Good for you. In the Mitten Moguls, I believe the sport for this one was called. Well, so, so other things you've been working on? Well, you remember, these are my swirly mittens, and you remember mm -hmm. that I dropped stitches? Yep. I ripped down to here. Yipes. She's pointing out about uh, two inches. And took out the DPNs, put in some... Circulars? Put in a circular, and you can tell that the tension just got a little bit different. Yeah. Just a little you bit. You can really tell. It noticeably goes boop and sort of like my socks when we went to see Avengers. Yeah. But I was able to remake up everything I did, everything I took out, because I had done up to about row 27 and I'm now on 31. Mm -hmm. I've now finished 31. So I'm thinking that if I work on this continuously, this should not take me forever in a day, especially now that I don't have as much fear of them, com the stitches coming out anymore. Mm -hmm. I should be able to. Pinch off the thumb now. Oh yeah. Oh, and that's in the that's nitpicks in nitpicks palette as well. Palette in the the I forget what the colorway names are, but it's sort that of a is, white and a coral. It's conch and cream, so I'm calling okay. it creamed conch mittens. Now Since we didn't get to talk about because a lot our last episode, the games were going to start that weekend. Yes. So the opening ceremonies. Yes. What did you think? I thought they were neat. I thought they were interesting. There were certain aspects. I mean, okay. I mean, I have to say this. Every country, when they do anything about their history in the Olympic Games, in the opening ceremonies, they're not going to show you the nasty parts of it. They're always going to put the happy, shiny yes. gloss on it. Yes. <laughs> I think the British one maybe actually did kind of get a little close to showing like that with the Industrial Revolution it and got, showing it, the it aspect of like, yeah, a little gritty. 
but showing, but still showing of like, yay, you know, people gaining their rights because they did, you know, sort of have groups that were representing like workers that were fighting for their rights and stuff like that. So that is still evidence of progress. Right. Vancouver was the same. We're not showing any of the nasty parts of our history. It's like, yay, let's include this. Let's include these native motifs without talking about the whole, like, you know, <laughs> kicking them off their land and all the nasty things we still do to the native peoples. Um, so, you know, there are certain parts of the opening ceremonies in Sochi where it's like, okay, so you're taking that view of history. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Ooh. shiny communism. The whole, the whole red part. I yeah. was, I was a little bit, okay, I can swing with this. But, you know, like I said, every country does yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Every country tries to make them look, oh, yes, we're wonderful. Don't you just love us? I did. Look how amazing we are. I did like Smile. the whole Cirque, Cirque du Soleil feel of it. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the the St. Peter's mm-hmm. church it was, I mean, it was really beautiful mm-hmm. how it floated in the air and mm-hmm. everything else like that. And One thing I really loved about the closing ceremonies yes. is I do love. The snowflake? It, like, Yes. Yes! The failed ring. The failed ring. It's like, ring. okay, you guys, kudos to you guys. That is amazing for kind of making fun of yourselves. Because that acknowledges that, like, Russia has a sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah, we get it. Because stuff happens. Things went wrong at Vancouver as well. There was that one arm of the Olympic flame that just didn't go up. And, oh, my God. And one of the people every- carrying the torch is just like, okay, what do I do now? And, oh, my God, everybody was on it right away. Yes. Harping all about it. But, yeah, I kind of love that during the... Closing the closing ceremonies, how, they have, the best how they have the dancers form the Olympic rings, but one of them's still in a little knot, and then finally it opens up to the Olympic I ring. was actually wondering, what's going on? What, as soon as I saw them do not this, doing it, like, I started laughing. And, and I'm like, going, are they really going to do this? Are they really? Oh, that's cool! <laughs> that's sort of like the biggest meme or the biggest tweet ever. That was a good one. And also for the closing ceremonies, damn you, Russia, you made me start crying over a gigantic motorized bear. <laughs> <laughs> because if you didn't see it at the end, the, the the blowing, the extinguishing of the flame, they had a little flame in the in the stadium, and they had those enormous, enormous like, bear. animal puppets, animals. like animals. There was a, a leopard, a rabbit, and a, a bear. bear. And the bear blows out. They have this little cauldron with flame in it, and the bear looks like he blows it out, and the flame goes out. And they had a little tear going down his cheek, and I'm like, you bastards, I am crying over here. You are making Canada cry. Stop it. Stop it. But yeah. One of my other favorite parts of the opening ceremonies, I think it was Venezuela, the flag bearer for Venezuela, Mm -hmm. was so freaking happy to be there. He was the one who was swinging the flag flag and just bouncing everywhere. He's not not doing the stately walk. He's just like, I am here. And he's just bouncing everywhere. And I thought, you know what? If that was me carrying that flag, that's probably... I would either be scared out of my jeepers mm-hmm. and, you know, walking along with the... Ah, 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 oh, God. Don't trip. Don't trip. Don't trip. Don't trip. Or I would be totally high on adrenaline going, Motherfucker, I am here! <laughs> and, you know, swinging all over the place. And, of course, the Canadians look classy in their own Classy. Series. Love you. Love you. Love classy you. Classy as always. I've got to give... Props, hold on. I... Oh, one thing I should mention. These mittens that I made yes. are extra kind of appropriate. Yes. Considering it is the wallpaper pattern from 221B. And Canada had 221 participants in the Olympic Games oh, this year. Oh, sweet. Boop, magic number. Magic number. <laughs> I'm going to give props out to the Cayman Islands for wearing flip-flops. <laughs> 
to the opening ceremonies in Russia at night in winter. Yes, there were other uh, warmer nations that were wearing, you know, the shorts, but they were also wearing socks and shoes. Cayman Islands were wearing flip-flops. Admittedly, Sochi is, you know, probably one of the warmest parts of Russia. It was, it was like 17 degrees there this past week. It was you still, bastards, it's warmer there. It was still in Russia in winter at mm-hmm. night. Yeah, it probably still gets pretty cold at night. I didn't see anybody else taking off their tunics yeah. or their parkas. <laughs> no, seriously. So, yeah. You know, the Olympic, again, it was the, the usual two weeks of ups and downs and what the hell is going on the TV right now? I can't even remember what time in Russia it is. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, God, why am I up this early to watch a hockey game? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, now I remember it. Everybody As else I, in the country is. I was actually tweeting a little bit from the, the Nitwin Geek 2 Twitter account during the game. And I was saying, I was, as I said at the end of, you know, tweeting a little bit, okay, now back to the four years of I don't give a crap about hockey. Your, your usual I don't give a crap about hockey for the next four years. Every time uh, I said something in the, well, in the house, and, yeah, we scored another goal. And my husband looks over at me and says, yay, sports, do the thing. Get the points. And I'm like, oh, stop it. Okay, fine. I don't know what's going on unless a goal happens. Fine. Yeah, same thing with me with curling. I have sort of a a vague idea of, you know, how curling works. Like, get the rocks near the center of the big target thing, and at the end of each end, whoever has the rock closest gets the points, but I don't know how they get more than one point, and I don't know. It looks kind of like throwing (laughs) darts, but with rocks. Yeah, except you can knock other people's... right darts out of the way, which there was some amazing application of physics in that, in some of those games. There was one where, like, the Canadians aimed one rock at, like, a line of, like, five rocks, and all the other rocks went, and the middle rock just stayed right where it was. Ooh. It was like, ooh, that was some amazing physics right there. That was, like, Hogwarts physics. Yep. Well, speaking of curling... Yes, yeah, so segueing into Geek Squee, we can talk about some geeky... Some, way, some ways that geeky things, or certain things have... Blended with the Olympics. In a fun way. In a fun way. For one, for one, as a ad for the newest Muppets movie, Muppets Most Wanted, <laughs> they made, Gonzo and the Swedish chef made a guide to curling, which you should really see. It's funny. In which the Swedish chef does most of the talking. Yes. So you can imagine what that's like. If you put in, if you go to YouTube and put in Muppets curling, I'm sure it'll come up. Yeah. And I want more of this. Yes. I, I want more. I want them explaining all the sports. I want... The Muppets to host the Olympics. Oh my god. Oh my god, don't even start. Oh my god. Or maybe, that would be amazing. maybe we can get them to host the Oscars next year. I think we've said that before, and I still really want that. That would be amazing. And another, in this case, with knitting and oh, the yes. Olympics. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, the day after the opening ceremonies, this just get, got went all over the Twitterverse because someone spotted one of the coaches of the slope style, the snowboard slope style finals, standing at the top of the course. Knitting. So, of course, it all went out all over the universe. Oh, my God, who is this? Why are they doing this? Oh, my God, someone's knitting at the top of the course. This and is it, amazing. It, and it was kind of funny, too, because, like, the camera angle was like this. This coach was, like, in the foreground with this gigantic scarf they were knitting. How 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 long was the scarf when you saw the picture? Because when I saw it, it wasn't that big. No, it wasn't that big. It was, like, well, huge as in very wide. Oh, okay. It wasn't very long. But actually, it was, I'm probably going to screw this up, anti-Koskinen? The fin- the coach of the Finland snowboard slope style team. And he was working on this scarf that is actually a collaborative project amongst the Finnish team. And the cool thing is, is that it doesn't end just because... 
the Winter Olympics ends. Yeah. They're handing it off to the summer team. Yeah, that are going to Rio de Janeiro in 2016. So apparently the, one of the Finnish snowboarders had the idea for him to work on it at the starting gate <laughs> of the course. <laughs> so knitting Olympics has literally made it to, to the, the Olympics. Olympics. <laughs> Suck on that, USOC. <laughs> now, if only we could have got the Finnish team to put it on Ravelry and enter it in the Ravelinic Games. Oh my god, that would be I think biggest. that would be the biggest win yeah, for that Ravelinic would. Games. That would deserve a special medal. Somebody in, you know, needs to get a hold of the, of the uh, team and let them know. Yeah. Also, you know, the, fun, the nice part about it is this was a male coach. On a uh, for the male s- snowboard team. Cool. And I mean, they're gonna have ki- people from all o- from all of the Finnish yeah. team. So I'm sure there's gonna be women working on it too. But it's kind of nice that the uh, that the sh- shot they got was of a guy knitting. Because it takes away some of the stereotype that I'm a big, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> strong guy that does sports. I don't do knitting. Yeah. Well, guess what? There's a lot of male sports fans that do the, a lot of male sports players that actually do like knitting or needlepoint or something like that. There were some other geeky things that came up with knitting in the last couple of weeks. And I found a couple of these thanks to the knitty.com blog, because every Wednesday they have links to mm-hmm. little articles and things. One of them is something we have mentioned on on this before, on this podcast before, is of course CERN, who have the Large Hadron Particle Collider. And apparently every year more than a thousand high school students from Norway visit CERN. So a couple of the teachers that have taken their classes to visit them on, num- on numerous occasion- occasions decided to make a present for some of the scientists there. Aww. They nipped them sweaters. <laughs> they have pull their pullover sweaters with the with um, designs that are inspired by particle physics. So one of them has the CERN logo on it. One of them has like equations on it. Yeah, it looks like algebra. Um, another one has... That looks like a, um... I think that's actually the map of the, the facility or something, because I think the circles there is yeah, the... Yeah, you're right. ...particle collider there, and I don't know what the red lines on it are for, but I'm sure it explains it somewhere, just on this article. The one I'm, article I'm looking at is actually on CERN's website, <laughs> but it has appeared in other places I saw it. It was going around on Twitter. But it's really nice, and they're really nice sweaters. Like, this one, the one that has the, I think has the a knit pearl pattern for the the particle collider. Actually, at the top, it has um, designs based on the traditional lice patterns. So those very small patterns that you see on Norwegian okay. ski jumpers, which is the same, and it's the same sort of design. But that's awesome. <laughs> one of the the people who works at CERN who got one of the sweaters, uh, John Ellis, says, It is truly a lovely gift. Everyone who has seen it has exclaimed how nice it is and how well it suits me. <laughs> Yeah, apparently according to the article, one of the, the lace pattern sweaters provide describes something called the the Brout Englert Higgs mechanism, which I am probably not gonna read because whoa boy this probably goes way over my head. Oh, but there that looks like it's the circular pattern with yep, the lines it going does. through it. That looks familiar. That looks like sciencey stuff that um It's part be, of the search for the Higgs boson. Would be important. Yeah. Sciencey stuff that I don't really understand. At least not without you know, doing some brushing up on my and some expansion of what I remember of quantum physics from, oh, what, grade 11? At least you got that far. Yeah. Physics I was good at. Calculus? No. <laughs> but speaking of other things described in knitting, there was uh, an article in The Telegraph that was done by the team from the British show QI, the BBC quiz show that yeah. we mentioned before. Love QI! Hosted by Stephen Fry. And it has some little fact things about knitting, but one of the things that I saw that was really neat 
and that sort of fits in with the geeky stuff that we talk about, is apparently during the Second World War, the Office of Censorship banned people from sending knitting patterns overseas in case they contained coded messages. Which is kind of neat, because knitting is a code, really. It is. It is. And there was, it says, there was also one occasion when knitting was used for code. The Belgian resistance recruited women whose windows overlooked railway yards to note the trains in their knitting. And apparently they used different stitches for different types of trains. So, and it would make sense too if you had like, say if you had like a knit stitch for, knit stitch for freight, pearl stitch for troops, you know, drop stitch for something else. You know, you could, in a, in a row of knitting, you could keep track of like how many cars yeah. of freight was going by and how many trains of troops were going by and stuff like that. So you could keep track of what kind of... What was going past your window. Yeah. Whether it was benign or possibly... Uh, yeah. Or keep track of, you know, what kind of troops or um, freight or whatever was going in and out of the city. Sneaky, sneaky. Which is kind of cool. Considering, you know, of course, every knitter knows about Tale of Two Cities and Madame, Madame Defarge. And yes. Never, and trying to figure out exactly how did... What exactly? How did she... she did she knit the names of the... Uh, was those killed into her knitting? Supposedly. Uh, was it code? Was it... Um... Knit pearl sort of things, was it? I'll be honest with you, I've never read it. <laughs> Knitters have also have speculated about this. And Charles Dickens doesn't specify. Damn it, Dickens. Um, I think I recall it again on QI, and <clears throat> I will verify myself later once I figure it out. But that they were basically witnesses. Yeah. And they were paid to just stay there. Yeah. Knitting mm-hmm. to to witness everything. Well, they were but paid it, to stay was... there, and of course they're going to bring their knitting. Yeah, because, duh. I mean... One, I mean, nowadays it's more like, yeah, of course I'm going to bring my knitting. I'm going to be sitting somewhere for a while just watching something. Of course I'm going to bring it. But of course, back then, too, it was also like, of course they're going to bring their knitting because it has to the get belief done. of, like, you had to keep your hands busy. Right. That was why shepherds would bring knitting with them when they were going out to watch their sheep. If you wanted socks, it was cheaper to make them. I still got to get you the episode with David Tennant in it, and they keep making all the Doctor Who jokes. Yes. But yes, yeah, so going into other geeky things. Oh, yes. One of the, probably one of the things we should mention right up front as some of the big news that keeps getting sort of reported and misreported and... And circulated. Given, and in, given wildly inaccurate sensationalist headlines and it's given like that. An, it's given a new stir and then it's pushed back out there. And then another round of tweets go out like, oh my god, you know this is happening? Um, so basically, like about a week ago or so, um, Marvel Entertainment president Kevin Feige said something to Variety about them having... Them doing development work on... A Black Widow movie. Now, a number of times in the past week that has somehow turned into, oh my god, they're in production for, they're doing a Black Widow movie. They have not confirmed it. (laughs) They have said they're doing development work, which is, that's not even pre-production. That is like early, early stages. That is where all of the writers and editors and brainstorming type of people all probably have a couple of pints and write down ideas on napkins and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, Feige said in this um, Variety article that her part, the Black Widow's part in the Avengers 2 movie, Age of Ultron, is a really big part. We get more of her backstory, we get more of, you know, how she, where she came from and how she became the Black Widow in that movie. Mm Mm-hmm. So from what he said, he says the notion of exploring that even further in her own film would be great. And we have some development work with that. So it sounds like if they are considering this, it sounds like they're going to do Age of Ultron, which comes out next year, I think. Yeah. And then after that, 
after they've set that kind of groundwork, sometime after that they might be doing a Black Widow movie. But they would have Age of Ultron first so that you get some of the backstory first. Right. Also considering, like, yeah, annoyingly, they did announce, oh, by the way, we're doing Captain America 3 and Thor 3, and we're still not doing, still announcing nothing for a Black Widow movie. But, I mean, at this point, because they have announced that, they do have all these other movies that are coming out in the next couple of years. Now they should have a Black Widow before that. But, as they have announced that they're doing these other movies, they do have these other movies now that they are scheduled to do, and that they have in progress first. Now I wish they'd get around to the black now, movie. Now, movie yeah, first. See, see, I don't get it. I <laughs> don't. And may, maybe this just is me not knowing how production goes. Mm-hmm. But what I don't get is, hey, we're going to be doing Thor three and four, and we're going mm-hmm. to be doing Captain America three, three, and like you've only just announced that. Mm-hmm. Like you can't even have thought up too much about <clears throat> Thor four. Did they what? actually confirm Thor four? I don't, I don't. I don't know. I think they've confirmed Thor three. I don't know about Thor four. But basically, I'm like. Though it nicely rhymes, so really. <laughs> My thing is, aren't you supposed to be in charge? Aren't mm-hmm. you supposed to be able to say, okay, we've done A B C D eight, you know, up to up to you know M of the Avengers, Thor, Captain America, mm-hmm. and. The public is sort of like sharks circling for Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should shoehorn something in just a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Aren't they supposed to be able to, I don't know, maneuver schedules? Yes, I know. Well, I think part of it, I'm wondering too if part of it, like they still have this idea that like, oh, Black, I'm sure they part, the Marvel not as bad as other companies. DC. DC. Um, Wonder Woman. But um, maybe I think they still have this idea that wondering about how many people will go to see a Black movie, Widow movie. Guess what? A yeah. lot of them. Yeah. Because she's an interesting character. The, um, the girls would go because, hey, rock on, badass girl chick. <clears throat> and the guys would go because badass girl chick in tight skin clothes. Yeah. So win-win, everybody. <laughs> everybody wins. Money. Hi. Um, but I'm wondering, too, how much of it is because a lot of Hollywood in the last few years, has become increasingly focused around blockbusters. You know, there's a lot... It seems like a lot of major movie studios are really only backing things that they think will be, like, make a major dough. They don't really want to make smaller movies that, you know, maybe maybe make less, but also cost less. So I'm wondering how much idea of that there is might be at Marvel. Now, I know they're working on... I know they have Mm Ant-Man in pre-production... I think it's still pre-production. And that is supposed to, from what last I heard, that was supposed to be a smaller movie. You know, not as high budget, you know, not not depending on it as much to make major bank, mm-hmm. but not man, not giving it as, as large a budget or as big a thing. They could easily do that. And I don't want Black Widow to be shunted off to the low budget end of the spectrum, necessarily. But it's also like, you know, maybe you could make a movie that you're not depending... Maybe if you treat this like you're not depending on it to be, like, a huge blockbuster, you can actually get this movie made. And you'll get over this idea of, well, oh, maybe not as many people will go see a Black Widow movie. Because... People will. If you don't bank on it being a blockbuster, <laughs> maybe you'll be pleasantly surprised. So now And that- it's also kind of like, okay, maybe you can make a Black Widow movie, and you can make... And plus, Black Widow movie would be a good chance to do... A movie, which, again, maybe won't cost as much because you don't have to rely as much on computer effects for it. Right. You could do a lot more of it. You could do 
A, have a lot more character study in it. Oh my god, a plot? Oh my god, serious. Not that I'm, like, shooting on the plots of the other no, Marvel no, no, movies, because no, no, I love true. them. But, you know, you can do... You can do a lot more. You can do stuff, cool stuff in a movie that doesn't revolve around a t- shit ton of CGI. Yeah, because Black Widow, she doesn't fly. She doesn't have some fancy mech suit. She doesn't have, you know, godlike powers and stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff you can do There's without f- using a ton of CGI. So you don't have to have as much of a budget for that. You can make a really interesting, strong, like, character study film. You could maybe... See, on the one hand, it's like maybe you could also give it some time to give Haw- give Hawkeye more point, but then again, I don't want it to be like let's give Black Widow her own movie and then take up a lot of time with Hawkeye. Mm. Let's give a fi- let's finally give a female superhero her own movie and then take up a lot of time with a male superhero. But Hawkeye needs some love too. Hawkeye would have a few things to say about that. Yeah, um, Hawkeye always needs love. But yeah, so it's like that could be you know that might be a consideration that they probably want to do is like you don't need to use tons of CGI for this one, which would be kind of nice because a lot of people are getting sort of like meh about CGI. Yeah, it's <laughs> because, it's not as startling or as eye opening as it used to be. Yeah, it's not like you know I don't I can't think of any movie that's going to be getting the Jurassic Park. Oh my God, look at what they did <laughs> with computers because we've seen it all by now. Hey everybody, Karen here with just a little update because the whole Black Widow movie situation, or at least Kevin Feige's comments about it, has continued. As you'll notice, I am also phlegm free. Yay! It only took three weeks. Anyway, so apparently today there is, there's more from Kevin Feige about a possible Black Widow movie. So as they say on Mary Sue, at first he was all, we'll see what happens, and then he was quoted saying, you know, development work thing that we mentioned, and then apparently last week he said that he, I think the idea would be great. We've got various outlines and ideas of where to take that. Now, in a recent press junkin interview, he's said something about like, oh, you know, if we do a Black Widow movie after Age of Ultron, when she's been central in three or four movies, I don't think we'd get the quote unquote credit for it. People would say she's already a big giant superhero, but if we had a great idea, we'd do it. <sighs> Grinding teeth. He also said she has a central leading role in Captain America the Winter Soldier. Except her name isn't on that movie. What people are really saying is, when are you going to do a standalone female superhero movie? The answer is, I don't know. We only do two a year. We know more or less what's coming up through 2016, 2017. With Widow, what's great is the interaction with all the team members. And the question is whether we want to pluck her out of that. This is me changing back to my voice now. I call bullshit. Bullshit. He goes on to say, I'm very proud of the way the Marvel movies handle the female characters who are in all the movies we are making, as opposed to feeling the pressure of when are you going to do a female movie? We're exploring a lot of Widow, and that's going to continue with Age of Ultron in a big way. So, what? (laughs) So she's a big giant superhero, but for reasons, she's not going to get her own movie. What? (laughs) What? Also... When he says people are really saying, when are they going to do a standalone female superhero movie? And he says, I don't know. We only do two a year, and we've got them planned through 2016 and 17. Well, you know. <laughs> You're the guy who did that planning. You could have planned to do a standalone female superhero. I don't know, like, two years ago? You could have planned to do a Black Widow movie. Uh, in 2012, like, when Avengers came out, people were like, oh my god, Natasha is awesome. When are we going to get a Black Widow movie? You could have decided that then. I mean, now, yeah, if you're like, oh, well, we're booked up, like, three years in advance. Like, 
one that's still no excuse and announce it for like 2017, 2018, we wouldn't care. But like, also, okay, if you wanted, if you're saying, oh, that seems, you know, I don't know, that seems kind of late to be doing it. Well, you should have done it two years ago then. Also, the whole like, what's great about her is the interaction with all the team members. Mm-hmm. That sounds like, that sounds like a cop-out. It really sounds like a cop-out. I think there's lots to do with Black Widow. I don't know. There's an entire comic series that just started, of which I just bought issue four, which, you know, kind of could be fodder for a Black Widow movie. It's like maybe instead of advancing her character in other people's movies, or movies with other people in them, you could give her her own movie. So yeah. I'm seriously calling bullshit for a lot of this. Like, the whole, like, oh, duh. And the whole, like, she's already a big giant superhero. It's like, dude. Ah. Frustrating. Captain America's still a big giant, already a big giant superhero. Thor's already a big giant. Iron Man's already a big giant superhero. And yet they're getting more movies. Except for maybe Iron Man. Oh, and the whole, like, oh, I'm proud of the way that we handle female characters who are in all the movies. As opposed to feeling the pressure of when you're doing a female movie. I, again, calling bullshit. Like, such bullshit. Like, yeah, you do handle female characters in all the movies really well. But, like, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do a female-led movie, too. And she keeps saying stuff about, she has a central leading role in all these movies. Like, but it's still called Captain America. (laughs) The Winter Soldier. But that's two dudes in the name of the movie. For what she has a central leading role in. Admittedly, I haven't seen the, like, of course, I haven't seen the movie yet, so I can't say whether, you know, how big her role is in it. I'm reasonably sure from the, the, from the trailers that, yeah, she has a really big role in it. But again, like I said, her name is not in the movie title. Two dudes' names are. Anyway, I'm getting a little, yeah, about this. <laughs> yeah, as the Murray Sue says, I'm just looking at the article now, um, of the commentary from the article's author, saying that our female characters are already so great. Yes, and that's a reason to keep them on the sidelines. Why? Oh, and apparently he uh, decided to tease maybe hopes of a Captain Marvel movie to get people off his back, <laughs> apparently. Saying, I like the idea if we're going to do a female, to do a, square brackets, female lead, do a new one, do a wholly new character, do an origin story. We've talked a lot about Captain Marvel. I think that would be very cool. <sighs> As they... <laughs> The author of the article says pretty much what I'm feeling. <laughs> they say, are you a mere fan? Kevin Feige, are you a mere fanboy? No, you are president of the damn company. If Marvel Studios wanted to make a female superhero movie, they could and they would. Sing it, sister. And yeah, needless to say, this article already has 123 comments that it was posted. Um, okay, 11.08 a.m. God, how did how did my Twitter miss that all day? Seriously, guys. But yeah. And I mean, on the one hand, Marvel does seem to take their stuff fairly seriously and take their fans seriously. Coulson lives, y'all. But, I don't know. It's still like, I don't know, there's still this reluctance to go for female superheroes and I just want to punch somebody. (laughs) I really want to punch somebody. One of the commenters does mention that there's hesitation about a Black Widow movie right now might be because Scarlett Johansson is pregnant, which is reasonable, but then it would be the sort of thing where it's like, okay, let's, well, I could see them even saying, like, we don't want to announce it because they don't know how things are going to turn out, you know, maybe after she has a kid. She, not saying that this is her role to stay home with the kid, that she would have to take acting, you know, to not do as much acting because she has a child. She could very, she could definitely do as much acting as she wants. I'm just saying, you know, 
it's her choice in the end, what she wants to do, and who knows. And she can totally balance motherhood and the other things. And these, if these guys are being nervous about it, they need to shut up. Because, <laughs> I mean, if they announce now, like, they wouldn't start filming until well after the kid's born. Because <laughs> they haven't booked till 2016, 2017. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, this just makes me mad. It makes me really, really mad. That's like, Marvel, I want to like you. <laughs> Stop being dickheads about this. Though, one of the really nice things... <laughs> One of the things that Scarlett Johansson is giving me life because apparently in an interview of her own said something to the effect of Black Widow being frustrated at the lack of a film to call her own, again I'm reading from the article here, has started taking over dudes' movies. She said, I was trying to get them to switch the name of this film for so long. I wanted to be like Captain America, but it's really a Widow movie in parentheses. I love you, Scarlett Johansson. But yes. So, sadly, still no Black Widow movie for a while. And for pretty dumbass reasons. At least from what Kevin Feige is saying, which sounds like he's trying to talk around the truth to me. You know, maybe I wouldn't think they're dumbass reasons if he'd actually come out and not, you know, try and spin things, but that's what he's doing, so I will so I will uh, reserve my right to think it's bullshit. Anyway, on with the podcast. Enough ranty pants for now. So yeah. We okay. have feelings about a Black Widow movie. Okay, everybody <laughs> take a deep, calming breath. Deep breath. And let it go. Now, one of the other things that did, that has come out, is... For a few lulls. <laughs> the first Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. It was kind of goofy. Yeah. But a good kind of... Kind of smiley. Like good kind of fun. Yeah, it's a good kind of goofy. It's a good kind of fun. And it first came out on Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel Live earlier this week as part... I think as I think just before he finished his run on Jimmy Kimmel Live, before he took over The Tonight Show. And it looks... It definitely makes me want to see the movie. Because, it, well, it looks like it's because it, I mean, they're dealing with a source material that has, like, basically an alien that looks like a tree and a talking raccoon. raccoon with a gas raccoon. And it's like, so how do you deal with the source material? I honestly don't know anything about the material. I'll tell you right now. I don't, yeah, that's pretty much what I know. I have not read any of the Guardians of the Galaxy comics or anything like that. But it does look like, but the way they treat it in the trailer makes it look like, yeah, they know how goofy some of this stuff is to begin with, and so they're going to Jeez make it sort of jokes. They're gonna laugh at themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Laugh at themselves a bit, but they're not they're not gonna take it ultra seriously, but they're not gonna be so like, oh, this is just crap we don't need to to give any sort of respect to. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it looks like it's gonna be fun. So I'm willing it the trailer at least makes me be sort of like, okay, I'm willing to like pay money, sit my butt down, yeah, and like yeah. see how this goes. And I do like the little twist they put at the beginning where it's like starts out looking all super serious and it immediately does that nice little twist into yeah. goofball. I like it. <laughs> and I think goofball is what people want now. Yeah. And it does sort of set up the way it sets up it does make the team sort of the Guardians of the Galaxy look sort of like the adorable losers type of team. Yes. So <laughs> that can be fun. Also, I did notice briefly in this trailer, there's one brief little shot of a female fighter with a bald head mm-hmm. who I'm like, ooh, that's Amy Pond from Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Karen Gillan is in it, so I can't wait to see what she looks like. Because I think it was at uh, San Diego Comic-Con last year at the panel. She had she came out, she's got you know red hair and stuff like that. And during the panel... She just ripped it off? She pulls it off. It's a wig. <laughs> Because he shows everybody she has actually shaved her head. Yeah! So, so yeah. And if anybody knows more about Guardians of the Galaxy, please, you know, let us know what your feelings on the trailer and how it looks and... And stuff Whether you think it fits the tone of the... At least from what we know of the... From what we've seen from the trailer, it looks like it fits the tone. Now, trailers can have a wildly different tone than the actual movie. movie. As people have... You've 
scene with like I think on YouTube there's a bunch of trailers people have done where they've made trailers to be for more accurate to, to be them. not more accurate they've actually changed just by changing the voiceover and the music or changing the the way the the shots are put in they've changed they can change totally change the genre mm-hmm. that it looks like it is so it makes um i'm trying to think of like you know make i think the one the one yeah. in the it's at this hotel the shining that was it there i think there's one for the shining that makes it look like a funny family comedy sort of thing oh dear god no <laughs> but just the way they've they've cut the trailer, someone has recut the trailer, or like Jaws as like a romantic comedy or something like that. <laughs> they basically. So I'm I doing mean, the blink blink thing yeah. here. So trailers can be vastly misleading. I'm gonna have to research into Guardians of the Galaxy now. Yeah. Oh, side note. Speaking of comics, um, while I was in Toronto a couple weeks ago, I went to two comic book stores <laughs> and I got some comics. I went to, in case anybody's wondering, I went to Silver Snail, which is probably the biggest. And it's right near Young Dundas Square, and it's all right near right near David's Tea. When I first found this out, I'm like, oh my god, it's like they knew I was coming. <laughs> tea and comic books right near the other. I was hoping to get the new Ms. Marvel, but they were sold out. I went to Silver Snail and A Million Comics, and both of them completely sold out of the first issue of Ms. Marvel. Of course. Which, sad. But, so, I did actually buy that one on Comixology, which is a digital comics site. Sort of, like, it ends up sort of being, like, the iTunes for comics. And so I read it through there, and it does look amazing and adorable. And I really want the next issue. Oh, my God! Amazing and adorable? Yes. Ms. Marvel? Yes. Adorable? Yes. Okay. I'm gonna have to see this. Yeah. Because mainly the main character, Kamala Khan, is that she's a Pakistani-American teenager who lives in New Jersey. And the storyline is part of the new Marvel Now mm-hmm. series, which they're doing, which is basically they're starting sort of new series for each of their characters, but they're not rebooting them like DC did. Um, so she's a, like I said, she's a Pakistani-American uh, teenager, which is why part of why the, the series has gotten a lot of buzz. And it's really sweet because, I mean, the, the first issue is all about her trying to fit in. And she's, like, a very American teenager. Okay. But she's dealing with sort of the culture clash of her parents who are not, like, super traditional. In some ways, are not super traditional. Like, there's one scene where her she's with a friend. And her friend mentions that is wearing the hijab, the headscarf. And it's interesting. One of the things, nice things about it is that the villain in the first one or the bully is the school bully is this you know super blonde american all-american teenager girl and she's not like super discriminatory or anything outwardly instead she's a concerned role you know she says to the to kamala's friend she's like you know that headscarf looks really good on you but you know i'm just kind of worried are you you know you're not being forced to wear it are you i'm just concerned you know sort of this fake kind of mm concern and she's their friends like no my father actually encouraged me not to wear it but it was my choice she's like oh good it's really it's it's sort of nice to see that way that you know concern or that that almost kind of paternal condescending treatment is just as bad as like outright racist douchebaggery okay yeah i should say so yeah so she's trying to be like and you know part of the the first issue depends like she wants to go to this party that a couple of people she knows are going to, but her parents won't let her because they're like, no, there's going to be alcohol there. No, you are not going. And so she sneaks out and goes anyway mm-hmm. and things happen. And it's really sweet. And she's like, she's a total Avengers fan girl. She writes Avengers fanfic. Ah, cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I got to admit that is adorable. <laughs> yeah. 
So the character from the like from the very start, you are like invested in this character and really love this character and want to see what happens. And I want the next issue. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know when it's coming out, though. But yeah, so I, I even went to two comic book stores today in town. It was the first day I actually got a chance to. I've been wanting to for the last week. But again, couldn't find it. So probably your uh, your local comic book store probably might not have it. In which case, like I said, Comixology, you can get it digitally. So my plan is to, like, check it out digitally there. Set up a pull list somewhere at the local store. Yep. To get future issues. One of the things that I did get, though was also part of the Marvel Now series, the new Black Widow. Number series. one. The first one. There's actually three issues out now. I kind of wish I'd gotten the other two issues now because I really want them and I couldn't find them today at the local comic book stores. I'm going to have to go to my local one. But it's also really good. This one's the Bla- it's the Black Widow by Nathan Edmondson and Phil Noto, if you're looking for it. And again, it's part of the Marvel Now series. And it's sort of about, it's not rebooting straight back to origin stories sort mm-hmm. of stuff. It's like in this, Natasha is already a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent and an Avenger. It's sort of about the side things she does okay, to kind of make up for the bad things she's done in her past. Okay, And I really like the way it's drawn and the way it's written so far. And I really want the other ones. I also, of course, got a Doctor Who comic. And I found one, I haven't read this one yet, but I found a series called Fanboys vs. Zombies. Which involves zombies taking over San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I've never heard of this, I've never read it, but I'm buying at least one issue. Yeah. <clears throat> Let me know how that goes. <laughs> and as a side note, for a while, I have had the Hawkeye series by Matt Fraction that I have, I've read the, fr- I've got the first trade and I've read that one and I want to get the second trade edition, but I keep, I haven't mentioned it yet. It is amazing. I love it. Hawkeye is awesome. And I love the stories. And he has this adorable dog. He sort of finds <laughs> and feeds pizza crusts. Big softy. <laughs> so yes. Comics recommendations. If anybody wants to make any comics recommendations, you might think I like. Let me know. There's a couple others I know of that I want to try out, but I was I was trying to find actual copies at comic book stores and couldn't find them, so I'm probably gonna get them on Comicsology. Support your local comic book store. They carry geeky shit. Yeah, there was some really cute. One of the comic book stores I went to today had the Dalek Mr. Potato Head. Oh, like, I want it. <laughs> so yes, as you guys know, we often enjoy when Disney princesses are reimagined as other things, or people reimagine the Disney, Disney princesses. Do you want to introduce this one? Um, so this is from a DeviantArt account. Um, I cannot pronounce this. Yeah, it's D-J-E-D-J-E-H-U-T-I. But look for The Wonderful World of Westeros, uh, which obviously is from the Game of Thrones series. And she has reclothed each Disney princess, and in some cases not princesses, yep. into uh, appropriate characters. From Game of Thrones. So Lilo, from Lilo and Stitch, is dressed as Arya Stark, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Merida is a greet. <laughs> yep. Red frizzy hair and a determination to kill. Yep. Yep. Present. And accounted for. Mulan. As Brienne of Tarth, which is... What I also think is kind of appropriate. Mulan's grandmother, Grandma Fa. As Elena Tyrell. Which is the <laughs> matriarch of the Tyrell family. One of the things I found just a little bit disturbing... Where is it? Okay. She's the prostitute. Snow White. <laughs> Snow White is the prostitute. Shay. Just a little bit of your... Of your childhood gets eroded away at that picture. Yeah. But... Cinderella's Caitlin Stark... Belle is Marjorie Tyrell. 
I don't even watch the show and I can see some of these yeah. being so appropriate. I'm just, I just know what I've seen on Tumblr, which is a fair bit. Aurora Aceracy. Yeah, these are awesome. We found the, this we found through the Nerdist. So yeah, that's adorable. Just a fun little piece of uh, artsy fluff. <laughs> Speaking of fluff, apparently there's some talk of doing a Space Jam sequel. Seriously? <laughs> Mostly I see Space Jam come up now as a joke on the internet because you can actually still go to the 1997 website. Oh, God. And see what we thought websites what, what, should look what, like. We, yeah, what we thought websites should look like in 1997. Oh God! Although I have to, I have to make a confession that of something that's going to have to be remedied. Yes, my son does not know who Bugs Bunny is. What kind of mother are you? I know. Seriously. Yeah. Man, my husband. When we heard that, I'm like, Aiden, do you know who Bugs Bunny is? No. My husband and I looked at each other going, okay, we have a session that needs to happen. So yeah, basically the the Space Jam rumor comes from uh, an article on Deadline that said that LeBron James was going to be in it and that they've actually working, they're actually working on it. But then um, someone from ESPN said that they, that Re- LeBron's sources refute that report in Deadline that there's no Space Jam 2 or Warner Brothers projects in the works with him. So, you know, according to the Mary Sue, they say that Deadline is usually a reliable source for Hollywood news. So they don't know what happened there. So it's possible that wires got crossed there, that the project is in development, but not with LeBron James right. going to be in it. We'll have to see. Anybody else remember this movie? I remember it. And remember the ads for it and everything. Do we need a Space Jam 2? I really Is anyone hankering for a Space Jam 2? No, no, I don't think so. Maybe just as something to laugh at. But speaking of things that are coming back, which nobody really wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least so I hear from most of the fans on my Twitter, the people who used to be fans of this show on my Twitter account. Nice segue there. Everybody (laughs) give Miss Karen a round of applause for this. (laughs) Yeah, so yes, I think it was yesterday or the day before I woke up and looked at Twitter to to the cries of, No! on my Twitter feed um, because apparently NBC is return is having Heroes return as a standalone miniseries in 2015 yeah it's gonna be it's 13 episodes it's gonna be called Heroes Reborn and uh, apparently this is actually a thing which is actually happening the original creator Tim Kring is going to be working on it of course the NBC announcement makes it sound all yay happy and like they say shows with that kind of resonance don't come around awesome don't come around often and um most of the fans i've seen have been like oh dear god no please don't (laughs) stop with the hurting (laughs) stop with the hurting (laughs) most of them had their hearts by most of the fans that i know had their hearts broken by the later seasons which they wish had never happened yeah i saw one person being like oh wow it's nice that they're gonna make a mini series sequel to the one series of heroes that had the one season that heroes had it's too bad they didn't make more of those. So uh, this should be interesting. They're also making a digital series. Yeah, I was just reading that, and I <laughs> don't get... Anyway. So yeah, there is a teaser trailer for it, which I haven't seen, because I didn't watch the show at the beginning. Again, I just remember seeing all the comments from people who did watch it. They'd be like, what the hell are you doing? Not that I don't understand that myself. Just don't ask me about 24, live another day. <laughs> Which is also a miniseries coming up, which I went, no, when I saw it. Breathe in, breathe Breathe out. out. Season 8 does not exist. In other news. So, (laughs) there's some interesting shaped sand dunes on Mars. Yeah. According to NASA. 
That's seriously creepy. <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing, but it's creepy. I'm sorry. <laughs> so basically, the uh, high-rise camera on NASA's Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter found a w- series of sand dunes in a large crater, which looks suspiciously like the Starfleet insignia. For n- people who may not know it, and really, for how long has Starfleet been around, it looks a bit like an It's alpha. like an arrowhead shape. Yeah. And it's a little bit more thicker on one leg than the yeah. other leg. And, yeah, there there aren't just... Seriously, there they have a picture of the, on the Gizmodo article. They have a picture of the original series. There's the, the logo. There's the sand dunes. And they're not just in clusters all random. They're all facing the same direction. Yeah, which makes sense, because they would be created okay, by sand wind. Okay, that does make sense. Okay. So it makes sense that they'd be created. And they're all close together. And yeah, there's actually two little V-shapes. I'm sorry, it is a little bit creepy. That is kind of cool. It's cool, but it's also a little bit... I mean, it is, it, it is a case of humans... Humans look for patterns and things. I, okay, yeah. So when they look at things, they're likely to say, that looks like something else I know of. It is kind of and amazing. And ascribe meaning to it. It is kind of amazing. It's also kind of Twilight Zone-ish. Yeah, basically it's a combination of wind and sand that creates these drifts. But it is kind of cool. <laughs> and instantly recognizable to geeks, really. Okay, now moving into craving scuffets and crushes. If anybody's on the hunt for project bags, geeky project bags, because you can never have too many project bags. You can never have too many projects. <laughs> You might want to check out an Etsy shop called Kicks and Giggles. It's etsy.com slash shop slash kicks and giggles shop. Basically, they have a lot of... What they do is they have two different styles of project bags. And they put up the different kinds of fabric that they offer. And they set it, They do it as a pre-order. So you pre-order your bag, select the type of lining and the handle color that you want on it for the naughty bag, which is sort of a... Um, a bag where one of the loops at the top goes through another one. Okay, yeah. To create sort of a wrist holder. Sherlock stuff! And they have all kinds of fabrics, including a few different Sherlock ones, a few different Doctor Who ones. They have a Firefly one, which was just added. I just noticed it today. As well as adorable prints. There's one here which has all kinds of things and quotes from Doctor Who like wibbly wobbly timey wimey and I'll see don't blink bad wolf I wear fezzes now (laughs) bow ties are cool and there's one a similar one for Sherlock which has a lot of quotes on it like bored brainy is the new sexy I am Sherlocked we solve crimes I blog about it and he forgets his pants here to see the queen it's a three patch problem i don't have friends i've just got one what must it be like in your funny little head it must be so So boring boring. (laughs) so yeah there's a bunch of the fanish ones and then what you do is you select sort of a cotton or a satin lining and select the handle color and usually there's between about three or five options and they have tons and tons of different fabrics oh cute little foxes Oh, neat birch trees. Oh, my God. Minions! From Despicable Me. That is adorable. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, yeah, they've got the Super Who Lock one, which is basically symbols and stuff from Supernatural, Doctor Who, and Sherlock. Oh, dear. Because Tumblr loves putting those three together. Oh, little knitting sheep. Oh, these are little mittens, too. Oh, my God, there's one of the hedgehogs. <laughs> so, yeah, there's like six pages of fabrics. 
They have. They also have. Um, so they have the knotty bags, which are the big ones, which have the the loop that goes through another loop. They also have wedge bags, which are sort of basically like a wedge shape, sort of like you. A lot of pencil cases or makeup bags. Yeah, makeup bags have the shape. It's sort of like you know, basically think of a triangle with the zipper on one of the ends mm-hmm. of the triangle. But the wedge bags are big enough. There is a photo here of a wedge bag with like two cakes of yarn inside it. So it is big. It is like project size. And they do have a few bags which are ready to ship too. But there's a lot of pre-orders, so if you need something really soon, they have a limited amount of ones that are ready to ship. Or if you can wait a couple weeks before they ship, you can get one of the pre-order ones. Yeah, it'll ship approximately two to three weeks after purchase. And the specialty fabrics with the the fanish things on it, of course, because they're from... They're specialty fabrics from Spoonflower. They'll take a little longer, and they are priced a little higher than some of the other ones. But you can get stuff with Sherlock or Dr. Who things on it. Yes, you can! And speaking of Sherlocky things, Maggie found this. I love this. And I freaked out. <laughs> she did, actually. And cued it. <laughs> Sherlock lives, all one word, Cardi. Do a search for that on Ravelry. It is by Professor Fonz. Yes, you heard me right. F-O-N-Z or Z. As in the Fonz. It is a free cardigan pattern, people. And it's a yoke pattern cardigan, and the yoke pattern is the very same wallpaper pattern that Karen has on her mittens. mittens. Yeah, it's from the... The reason it's free is because it uses the wallpaper pattern from um, The Wallpaper Had It Coming Again by Morgan Damerung, which was used by the designer of mm-hmm. my mittens. Except this one has does have a slight little addition. It does have skulls at the top of the pattern. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I think it's like the, the top of like a little gas lamp. Or no, door knocker, maybe? Maybe. I'm not looking at a close enough picture to really tell. I think it's the door knocker. But yeah, so it's a yoke sweater, circular yoke sweater, and the, the pattern just goes around the yoke, as well as around the bottom oh. of the arms. And I want to make this so bad. It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. It's done in sport weight. Of course, you can change the weight to size it up, size it down. I think it's also, it says women's medium. Yeah, it's basically one size. So size can it's a size size can be adjusted with increases slash decreases in the body. Send me a message if you would like to resize the garment, which is going to be really difficult, by the way. Damn it. Um, though you could try different weights of yarn, different and size needles, yeah, different gauge, that sort of thing. So it will be challenging, but but if you're willing to do some math and put some work into it, you could probably resize it. And I really want to do it. Oh my <laughs> god. I mean, I've looked at yoke sweaters before and been sort of like, you know, those look kind of cool. Maybe I do one time but not really not mer- not really. seen as many that were like really like oh my god i have to make this this one i'm like oh my god i have to make this nothing else that really grabbed you by the tits yeah ow and there are a couple other ones that have been made at least one person who's sizing it up and who says they're gonna have to wing it a bit basically the designer knitted it in celebration slash anticipation of series three and the designer has a bunch of other things that they've done basically has a bunch of designs which are all all sherlock She's the one that did the Knitting is Boring scarf, which has a lot of different motifs and things from the show. So there's the skulls, there's the wallpaper pattern, there's Watson's Christmas sweater, there's little apples with IOU. Also did, there's another, she did another yoke sweater or vest called 221B Skulls, which has a smaller version of the the wallpaper motif and white skulls that go around. Oh, and the uh, yak or bull head with the horn, Mm -hmm. skull with the horns. Cow skull with the horns and with the headphones on it and a few other things. So yes, if you're a Sherlock fan and you want to do more Sherlocky knits, this one is a treasure trove. Yeah, it is. Oh no, there was one more thing for Carving Clifford's Crushes. Yes. Lego. Last thing. 
And people, we have to do something about this. You guys, we need to do this. <laughs> on Lego Cus... Is it pronounced Cusco? Cuso? Cuso, I think. It's... This came to us in the... Heard about, you know, share something awesome thread. Yeah. And we need to help support this. This is an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Lego package. Oh my god, I want it so bad. So, and it looks like it comes with all six of the agents. Yep. It comes with Lola. It comes with... It looks like... The bus. The bus-ish. Well, That's a chem lab. The short bus. That's a chem lab. <laughs> yeah. With a chemistry lab. And that looks it. like it's supposed to be part of the plane. Yeah. Right there. Like and a smaller look version at, of the plane. As all of the little dwarves. Those are all yes. little dwarves right there. Little robot dwarves. And Coulson comes with uber-sized gun. Yes. And, and Captain, Captain America, America cards. Like, there's the chem lab, and there's all of the seven dwarf explorers. Yep. And they outline which color is which dwarf. Look at the faces! I know, they're so perfect. Oh my god. Oh my god. You guys, you really need to see the faces. Because they have each of the little minifigs as characters. So they have Coulson, of course, May, Ward, Sky, Fitz, and Simmons. And the, the faces, faces they have good. picked and the design the faces and the hair good. and everything is so perfect for them. Like, that totally works for Sky's magic hair. And that's totally something she would wear. And then Simmons is totally adorable. She's got the little... There's one version that just has her in, like, a little sweater and another one that has a little lab coat. And, of course, everything revolving around... <laughs> and then, of course, May and Ward look slightly grumpy. Slightly grumpy. Everything's dressed in black. Flamethrower, walkie-talkie, one classified level 7 shield file. But it only has 1,012 supporters. You guys, we need to do something about this. Karen wants to play with this on Christmas. I want to play with this set so bad. I want this set. At very least, I want Coulson and Lola. <laughs> Two Captain America trading cards. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it's Yeah, dubbed. they created the, the shield, a shield, a mini, mini sort of shield jet dubbed the Wasp. Winged Aircraft Surveillance Protector and Peacekeeper. <laughs> very nice guess. And they call it the Shield Investigational and Protection Van. I call it the Short Bus. Oh, my God. I want this so bad. I'm just grinning looking at it because it's adorable. So help us. We need to support this and make it real. Yes. Make it so. Okay, so I think we should... I think we're done. I think we're done. All right, everybody, we're going to go let Miss Karen rest her voice again. Yes, and get this edited. <laughs> get this edited, and in the meanwhile, everybody needs to take a moment and calm themselves and decide whether or not you are going to join in the crazy that is the there oh and back yes. again hobbit scarf. Because if you do decide to partake, that that better get started. Yeah. Be- as we have been Better advised. Better get started. <laughs> like, I, I still need to learn double knitting to begin yeah, with. Yeah, me too. So. This is going to be interesting. Not to mention finding the yarn for that. Yeah. Okay. So. So meditate on that and um, get back to us. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find old episodes or our show notes at our blog, knit1geek2.emptypockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1 G-E-E-K-2 dot M-T dash P-O-C-K-E-T-S dot O-R-G. You can also find them at our Ravelry group. Just search Knit One Geek 2 in Ravelry's groups feature. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can leave a comment at the blog, comment on our Ravelry group, or you can send us an email at knitonegeek2 at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at knitonegeek2. Thanks, and keep geeking on!